Welcome to Real Football Matters Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about all things underneath the football pyramid. So grassroots football all the way up to non-league football. We'll be having some great guests on, talking about their passion for the game, why they got involved, how they got involved, hopefully some funny stories, things that'll make you smile along the way. But more importantly, it's about the people. The people that that, that feel football is their passion, is their uh, go-to escape, is their thing that they look forward to, that they work all week for the weekend, looking forward to it. That's They're the sort of people we want on the show. We're hearing from lots and lots of people like that. My name's Peter Gray. I'm the host of the podcast. I'm the chairman of a uh, amateur football club uh, from grassroots kids' teams all the way up to uh, an open-edge team. Lots of friends and, and contacts in the non-league game too. So we'll be hearing from all those sort of people. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Hopefully you'll keep tuning in and telling other people about it. Enjoy the podcast. Guest on this podcast is Stuart Birch. Stuart is the current first team manager of Lost Stock St Gerrards, otherwise known as LSG. They are in the West Langs Division 1 and have been flying this season. Top of the league, undefeated. Um, they got to the final of the Lancashire Amateur Shield, which, let me tell you, is no mean feat for a team at, at, in that division. Um, another team that's fallen foul of this null and void season. They thought they were going to get promoted. The cup final to look forward to. The cup final looks like it may happen. May happen pre-season. But listen, talk to Stu about all things that have gone on this season, all things in his coaching journey, how he got into coaching, how he developed his passion and love for the game and what he's what he's doing now and what he intends to do in the future. I enjoyed chatting with Stu. It was a good day, good to catch up. It was done. We're still in lockdown, so it was done on a remote link. Again, quality, not as good as I would like it but still a great chat and very insightful. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, so today's guest is Stuart Birch. Stuart is the first team manager of Lostock St. Gerrard's Football Club, playing in the West Lanks Division 1. Um, great to have you on board, Stuart. Great to um, welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Peter. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, listen, this podcast is all about getting people on who love football, who um, who live and breathe football. It's their passion. It's what it's all about um, for them. And absolutely, I know you. I've met you uh, on our West Lanks League travels over the years. And I know you absolutely fit that bill. So, it's great to have have, have you on. We're going to come on. We've got you on particularly um, because of the topical situation with the leagues being cancelled. Um, your team, Lost Stock St. Gerrard's, were flying high in Division 1, looking forward to um, promotion, which is all but secured. Um, and then things have obviously changed. We're going to come to that shortly, so let's so keep your powder dry on that one, Stu, and then we'll, we'll speak about that shortly, I'm sure. But just before we do that, i like to give all the guests the opportunity to sort of speak about um, where they came from on their... Um, football journey and how that how that sort of that passion developed over time so Stu tell us a little bit about where you started in football you started developing the passion and your journey into into coaching uh, my football journey Peter started way way back as a kid uh, and it was in non-league football uh, as a child used to support a team not far from you called Mosley currently they're I... playing the Northern Premier League uh, yeah. grew, up, grew up round there before I moved to, to Preston and that was where I, my footballing all started, going to, going to Seal Park to watch Mosley. 
as a child, played football myself, but finished playing when I was 21. Injuries, families, married, children, all curtail things. Uh, working environments weren't the same as what they are today. Uh, and I, I curtailed it all. Uh, the first the first time I, I went into coaching was when I was at high school and when the teachers were on strike or our head of PE didn't really want to cancel all the footy stuff but he couldn't go against the grain yeah. and he allowed me and my mate to, to take the first years as we were in the fifth year at the time for, for football on a Saturday morning because it meant he could be there doing other things but he didn't have to be involved and that was my, my first forage into Managing a football team when I was fifteen. Right. So you got the you got the bug then, Stu. You sort of like I like I like this. You like that better than playing, did you? You were still loving playing, or did you, did you get did you think at that point I quite like this? This is something I'm going to come back to in a few years. Obviously, at fifteen, you're still quite young, but I don't think anything can beat playing, pulling your boots on, and playing yourself and, and doing what yeah. you do. But I would I would always advocate that it's the second best thing when you're finished, or if you have to finish early, get into into the other side of the game, whether it's coaching, managing, helping somebody else manage, whichever it is, it, it does replace not playing massively. And yeah, yeah. for the 30 odd years now, I've really enjoyed that side of the game. Right, okay. So so you stopped playing at 21 to get into coach. Where did that sort of coaching journey start at 21 then? Started off in junior football, uh, which was a difficult journey. Uh, 20. At the time, 20 when it all started, and two two young lads at 20 knocking on people's doors and going to school games and trying to encourage parents to allow 11 and 12 year olds to come and play for two 20 year olds is like, right, what, what's in it for these two that, at 20? Thingy. So it was difficult, and I, I've always been grateful for the people that went with us and took us on board. And, and my, my start was at a club called Feminine Boys, now known as Feminine Town that played in the Central Lanks Junior Football League. And I spent three generations going through there uh, and cumulating with my own son when he went through that setup until he finished in about 2000 and, what would it be? About 2010 when he stopped playing at junior football and then it was all full steam into senior football. But I joined the West Lanks uh, at BAC, uh, Preston. All right. In 2000, yeah, yeah. 2002-2003, that I was managing their under-16s at the time. And right. we started filtering lads into the BAC setup from my under-16s. Under, the manager at BAC at the time was David Esquith, referee Dave Esquith. Right. He was, right. The, he, was, he was the manager. So that was my first forage into adult football. When was that? What roughly? What year was that? 2002-2003 season. Right, okay. When we started bringing some sixteen-year-olds, so it's about like eighteen years ago now yeah, that I've yeah. been involved with the West Lanks, and that was obviously with the reserves down there. Eight, eighteen the, years with the West Lanks League. No wonder you've no asked you. I know. I know. <laughs> the, the league, the league vice chairman was was the secretary at BAC at the time, Andy Oscar. Frank Eaton was the was the uh, the vice chairman as well, down there at the time. So, that, right. that, I, I've, I've been around them a long time, so that probably explains why I've not a lot of air either as well. <laughs> okay. To drive anyone. 
Anyway, moving on from that. <laughs> so what what happened with that? Because I remember BAC Springfields as they were when I hadn't been involved with certainly um, got involved with the club long after that, and we were playing playing against um, BAC there. And then a season off, maybe two seasons after that. I mean, in fact, I remember one of the best goals I've ever seen in um, Turton score was a free kick by one of our players at, at Springfields, and I think the ball's still going. Gordon Watson fired the free kick in. Anyway. Um, what, what actually happened? Because the club just disappeared. What was the story behind that then? The club's still there. But from, right. from a financial point of view, the football club was self-sufficient. He got no support. Once once BAC pulled out of running sports facilities like they have done all over, uh, the, the, the funding grew up. The club couldn't afford to support the football section. It had to stand on its own two feet. It was run by a very small band, Andy, Frank, and a gentleman called John Simpson. And when they moved away and went down the route of joining the league, there was nobody really to take that on. It carried on for two or three years before finances ran it into the ground, really. And that was the demise of the BAC Preston, really. What a shame. What a shame. Never, I, never knew that, I never knew that. And I didn't know you'd been there. So that's yeah. popped up just as we're chatting here. But. Uh, Interesting. So anyway, so carry on your your sort of journey. You left, so you left there. Obviously, so yeah, when left there, le- left there at some point. Uh, invited to go to St Jerry's because I worked with the then first team manager at St Jerry's, Rupert McCarthy, and St Jerry's had just just got into the Premier Division for the first time. He wanted to change his backroom team, and I went and, and joined us his backroom team at St Jerry's. St Jerry's had a very good first season. In the West Lanks that year, got to uh, the Shield semi-final, but beat by Ren Rovers, and finished fourth in the league. And at the end of that season, Russell left, and that was that was for me probably the start of the decline of St Gerrard's. Really, they had quite a few managers that came in that didn't really know the concepts of, of St Gerrard's. Very close knit, very close knit football club is St Gerrard's, and people didn't really understand that who came in from the outside and it went through probably three or four managers along the way uh, Did Russ leave because he'd done well and went off to another club or what, what was the reason he left? No he, he, he wanted to take the club to the North West Counties the club at the time probably still isn't in a position to do that you've been to St Jerry's as a last season and we've got a lot of work to do there to get into the North West Counties and, and Russell didn't feel that the club was moving at the same pace that he was moving which was a shame because he, he he had taken the club for he'd taken the club from Division Two all the way to the Premier Division and built like built the side up really well and and, and ran a good good ship at St Jerry's but he, he felt that they weren't moving at the same pace and and sadly sadly he was lost to the game because he never went anywhere else he's not gone anywhere and managed anywhere else but that for me was that was for me the decline of St Jerry's there uh, I applied to two previous occasions for the job there and was turned down. Uh, they, they, they felt I didn't have what it took to, to, to do the job, sadly. But I stayed at the club and, and I did various jobs. I joined the committee and did various jobs at the club. Started doing a match day programme for them, which I, I still do to this day. Now, right. uh, certain things happened. Other people came on board that weren't thinking. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't stand around and watch other people doing what I wanted to do. And yeah. I, I got chatting to somebody else in the game elsewhere about football and he put my name forward to 
to join forward amateurs. And that's how I ended up going to forward amateurs. Neither, neither Tony Esketh or Paul Eastwood knew, knew or had heard of me from my background in junior football, obviously being where they'd been at Fylde and Lancaster and wherever Tony had been. So it was, it was Dave Balshaw that introduced me to forward amateurs, took me there. And then we had the three years at, at forward amateurs, one year to regroup, reserve division one champions, uh, then leading to going into, when they made the league into the reserves going into division two. And then we went and won the league and cup double in division two. St. Terry's then came and knocking and asked me to come back. They, they obviously felt I had something. And, and I do remind them of that quite regularly. So that was two, was that two seasons? I mean, forward, great, great club, forward, um, Tony, what a top man. Um, great manager, done some great stuff and um, is revered and, and um, respected by everyone at that level and much higher than the West Lanks League level of football. So top man and, and obviously I know Eastie well as a fellow chairman um, in the West Lanks League. So, you went there, uh, you were there, what, two seasons? Three, three seasons there. Three seasons, right, three okay. Seasons, and then, yeah. and then, and then um, Lost and Gerrard's came back and, and um, they came back to you, did they? They did. Or did you apply again, right, okay. No, so that no, must no. have felt nice. Having applied a couple of times and been knocked back and left, it must have, must have been a nice, a nice phone so. call, that one, to receive. Yeah. Very much so. The, 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 the sad thing about it was that at the time they were just about to get relegated from the Premier Division. So they were about to go into the divisions that I was about to bring forward reserves into. So yeah. it was it, it, it was a move always round for me. I was always going to where I was going to go as a, as a playing department in Division One. Yeah. Uh, forward forward was superb for me for three years. Uh, working under Tony and, and Eastie was great, uh, and I would say that probably developed my journey more than anything else in the previous twenty odd years. Working under, under them too. Fun, 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 I'd, lo- I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to get Tony on here actually because he's such a such a good a good guy. And I'm sure I will um, persuade him at some point, maybe with Eastie as well, to come on here at some some point in the future. But yeah, I can only imagine that enhanced your your um, your brilliant. journey and development. Brilliant. Yeah, both brilliant. Sup- supported me wholeheartedly. Having all football club fallouts, disagreements, not always agreeing on things, but the education and, and the support that I got from both of them. Was, was superb, uh, but I knew I, mean, I knew I, listen, I knew, uh, sorry, go on. I, knew I couldn't I knew I couldn't just keep following Tony all the time and and, and Tony Tony knew I was trying to develop the, the reserves and on numerous occasions he said that that our reserves rivaled many first teams in other levels and obviously we went on one division two that was predominantly first teams and when when Saint Jerry's come out, I couldn't turn that down it, it, I had to to become my own, my own boss at some point. And I felt after three years and doing what I'd done at Fulwood and developing some young players, you know what I mean? There was a long way to go and, and they've kicked on even further now and, and taken that level further on from, from what we started. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'm think i going to sound like I'm chairman of the um, Tony Esketh Appreciation Society, but I would imagine with somebody like Tony who's been in the game a long, long time and, and, and takes a real... Um, Pleasure and desire in developing young players into into good footballs and improving them and coaching them and making them better. Um, I would ima- I, I would have very much imagine he's much the same with coaches. He wants to t- turn them into better managers and knows that they're going to leave at some point and be a better a better a, be a manager somewhere. Turn from a coach into a manager. And I think you know I think no one's ever happier than Tony when he sends a player to play at an high level. And it's just, I would imagine it was the same with 
um, with the managers. But you, you, you've took the opportunity there at, at LSG. They've come knocking. It's very rare that you get, a, you know, you mentioned they've just been relegated and blah. But it's very rare you get an opportunity as a manager to go in somewhere where they've just had a lot of success, everything was great, and the manager just walks away. Managers usually leave because they've either been poached off somewhere because they've done well, or there's been something's not worked, not been working, so they've had, so they've had to go. And that was the situation you found yourself in, Stu, was it? Very much so. St. Gerrard had struggled for two or three seasons, uh, avoided relegation on, on the previous two seasons. Uh, and then at the third time of asking, I think for some unknown reason, the, the division had 17 teams in it. For some unknown reason. I'm thinking, I think you were one of the teams that swapped places with them. I think it was the year that you and Tempest came up and yeah. three, te- three teams went down. It was that St. Derry's yeah. truck underneath went down. So, yeah, right. uh, the, the, the manager at the time uh, had a young family and, and, and found it difficult. Did, didn't feel he probably got the support off the club that he, he wanted. And he stepped, to, he stepped aside and he, he'd spoken to me previously and asked would I be interested in taking over. And one of my requests was like, could you try and keep him in the division? I wouldn't mind them staying in the semi-division. It wasn't, it wasn't to be. The, the, club, the, the, the league made the decision to, to relegate the three teams and, and St. Jerry's lost some points that season as well and that made them the third off the bottom and, and sent them down. So, yeah, it, it was tough, but the, the club wanted from that stage then to, to regroup rebrand themselves, refresh things up and go down a different route. There wasn't really a set of young players coming through that the club could take forward and that I could work with. Uh, and we, we started to try and build again. We invited everybody to stay who wanted to stay. Some did and are still there with me today. Some people moved on. Didn't, didn't want to play in Division 1. They wanted to be in the Premier Division. Which I felt was a little bit, a little bit tough to take when they'd been part of the the side that had got themselves relegated anyway yeah. so we don't want to be in Division 1 well you, you've got them there anyway yeah. but we, we moved on we regrouped and it was, it was always going to be a slow process not everybody was going to fit some people came with me from forward that didn't but stay the full duration some went back two, two forward from there but I've still got about six lads to this day that came stayed and have developed last season was, was another tough one to take challenging up at the top end of the table, beating the runaway leaders at the time, Leyland United, 9-0 at home. And then Leyland got kicked out of the league. And what was so, like nine goals choked off and three points choked off last season as well, before we got six points deducted for ineligible player, which curtailed last season and made us finish fourth behind Lytham and uh, uh, CMB. Sorry. Yeah. And then this season, we, we rebuilt the squad again, retained the vast majority of what we had going forward. And basically, we've run with about 26 players this season to try and cover right. for... It, we, we, we live in a world now where people can't always have Saturday off, we don't all have jobs, we, we don't work weekends. If we do, sometimes your missus might work, so somebody's got to look after the kids. And three or four of my lads have, have had children this year. So we had to build enough lads that if you weren't able to play on Saturday somebody else was able to drop in and nothing changed. And that's what's really been the, the, the keystone of our success this year. We've had 26 lads that have developed along the way all season. They train hard. If they're not available, we know about it. It's not dropped on the last thing on a Friday night. We can plan. We can prepare. Lads have been prepared to go and play for the reserves, to get minutes, go and play for the A-team, get minutes, keep themselves fresh. 
so that when they came in with us, they were ready to go again. And, and that's probably been how I've got from the humble beginnings of a 15-year-old at school to, to sitting top of Division 1 with 20 games played undefeated this season. That's been my journey, really. Yeah, so let's just touch on the season. Um, I know the season's gone before we get onto the, the, the juicy stuff. Um, <laughs> you, you, you have had an unbelievable season. Sort of tell us about um, so many, you've, as you just mentioned, there, you've been undefeated all season. You've had a great um, run and got to the final of the Lancashire Amateur Shield, um, which is, don't underplay that. You know, they get into that final is an achievement. Getting to it as a as a Division One team is even is is a fantastic achievement. Um, so well done on that. You, you knocked out you knocked out the League Cup. Who knocked you out with that? Boyer Villa, good, very good side. They they were they were up there challenging for promotion as well. And and Donners and Tails at, at Wire again came in last season when they were struggling and got on board. Got saved them last season. Nobody went down. But they saved them. They had enough points to keep them up last season. Went out, recruited, built, and, and put a good side together. And we played extremely well in the league game at home when we beat them six three. And then he put, they came to our place. It was the day of the storms and the wind. And on, in hindsight, we probably chose to play the wrong way. Uh, and in the second half, when we had the wind, we couldn't get going. But that takes nothing away. I've messaged both the managers from Wyatt. That takes nothing away. Wyavilla came that day, were organised, were disciplined, set up right and did a job on us. Did a, did a proper, proper job on us. But yeah, we played everybody in the league because nobody that we haven't played this season. Uh, right, OK. So, and, and obviously, people keep saying like, you know what I mean, about the LFA run. We, we didn't, we only played Croston out of our division. Everybody else that we played was like in a higher division. But two teams out of Manchester League in Pennington and uh, Sacred Arts and obviously Exton Villa in the final so the achievement in the Shield is is, is good as well for, for oh, absolutely I mean Sacred Arts are a good team we played them and played them um, had a, a, they had a, a, give us a right game to be fair this, that's the season that we won it and um, and who else was the other game sorry did you say that Penning, you Pennington. Oh, Pennington yeah Pennington Pennington are a good team as well they're having a good season as well aren't they they'd so, not, um, not forward out in the, in the second round yeah being the, the holders, or no, they were the older. You, the, you no, no, I think I, I think I can remind you the holders. I think you're, I think you're the holders, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> they, the they, they were at the year before, and at home on their on their four G pitch, you would have expected forward to. But that was another tough one going to Pennington. Yeah, I can imagine. So a real, real achievement getting there, and I think um, it looks like that final will be played at some point. I think the LFA are, are saying they're going to the Lancashire FA are wanting to play the finals um, at some point, whether that's this season or the start of next season, whenever the start of next season is, and we'll come to that. Um, but it's looking like that will get played. So at least you'll you'll get the opportunity to play in that, and the team that you're um, you play in FC St Helens, decent team. Um, they're not, they actually knocked us out on penalties um, at the Shield, so we were gutted on that because we've got an incredible record in, in penalty shootouts at Turton, but there, um, we were beating them 1-0 and they, they equalised in the 89th and 90th minute. It felt like the 95th minute. Um, and of course, when that happens, you feel like you've lost a game, so you're going into the penalty shootout a bit on a downer in the, in the beaters. But decent side. Um, so it should be a good game. It, it will be a good game. Whenever they get that on, it'll be a good game. That cause they, had, they had one or two players Particularly centre midfield, I can't remember his name. He was he was decent, but obviously I'll be rooting for the um, for the West Lancs team in that one. So good luck whenever that's whenever that's 
whenever that's played. So the season, in in terms of league league wise, you you fly in, you've um, unbeaten in the league and played everyone, which is which is unusual again because um, you know not everyone's played everyone in some of the other leagues. That's that's the sort of frustration with the. Um, with the, with the, with the season for some of the teams where it, where it's got to, um, so it was the best team you played this this season. Does it sound like Wyatt Villa or or not? There's quite a few. For the three years we've been in there, Division One for me is a very good standard. Uh, the, the quality of the teams that are in there is, is good. Stone have got a very good side out there. Wyatt Villa have got a good side. And Croston, Croston over the course of the season have started to come good. Recruited Gareth, recruited players all through the season. Taking a couple of promotions, St. Jared's lads that weren't yeah. getting a, getting a game regularly with us, he's taking there, and, and they've gone and strengthened them. But the division is good. No, everybody's capable of beating everybody. Uh, when they were talking about ways of sorting out the, the league season, I looked into who where all points have come from and where, where they haven't come from, and. We've, we've played the top half of the table 10 out of 14 games and the bottom half 10 out of 14 games. We've drawn before the bottom half. We've, been, we've won nine and drawn one against the top half. So the bottom half, the most, the Eskis Bank, probably our toughest game of the season so far was Havlingdon away. Struggled like mad. They were up at the bottom of the league. But hey, I tell you what, Stu, we played, I know this, this is getting very West Lank centric, this, this discussion, but we played, Turton played uh, Aslingdon away in the, in the cup in the Shield and we beat them another penalty shootout we beat them on a penalty shootout I tell you what they gave us the right game and we were lucky that day really I think Joe John, Craig Jones our manager and the lads will, will accept that we sort of got away with one a little bit that day um, and, I, and I was t- talking to their chairman afterwards and because they were rock bottom weren't they they were like and I, and I said I can't doesn't compute with me. You're too good a team to be around the league. And there's a few people said, yeah, they're a decent team. Um, so, yeah, it was a surprising one. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know the pitch, it was, the pitch was a bit, bit tacky and a bit thingy with the weather that day. But even, even so, I, we, we were saying something like, why are you down here? I think the, the, the money was intimated to me getting the same set of lads out week in, week out. Yeah, that's what James said to me that. What's much the, the problem? And like, where I've addressed that by saying I've got 26 lads and if our right back's not available you go in and he does the same job if other people haven't got that to their disposal it's hard if you happen to go down to the reserves and bring in a kid in who's not ready to play there it's harder so I think that may be maybe oh, it's one of the one of the toughest the toughest asset at this level of football at this level of West Lanks League football is that consistency that squad having the same 11 players I mean I know the final season I had Artie in his manager at Turton he, he was I don't think he played the same eleven once all season. It, it drove him absolutely. I mean, he didn't have any air to lose, but um, it drove him absolutely, absolutely mad. So I get that as a frustration from speaking to other clubs and other managers and stuff. It, it, it's it's just something you have to suck up at this level. Really, you can't. You're never going to change it. Although it sounds like you've you've sort of gone somewhere to addressing that, which is probably why you've had some of that success this season in having a squad that you can that you can rely on. I think so. I think so. Being able to drop me, the reserve team manager is always good. He always he always waits, lets me drop down whatever I need to drop down, and then with having the A team, introducing the A team has been a bonus as well this year because that was our Sunday team, under eighteen Sunday team that we wanted to move on, and they weren't quite ready really to come into the West Lanks, and they will need a, a bit of help. And some of the first team lads have never been frightened to say, "Listen, if I'm not getting minutes this week, I'll drop down." And, Three or four of them have regularly dropped down 
at different times and said, I'm going to have a game with the A-team this weekend with the young kids. Yeah. And, and he helps the young kids. He's got them a few points on the board. But it's kept my lads kicking over as well with, with vital, vital minutes to keep them going all the time. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's get to the um, to, to the chase then because great season. Um, all but secure promotion. Cup final to look forward to. Everything's pretty rosy in the garden. And then we get... Um, the, the ever developing and changing as it was at the start of the uh, the thing the the uh, coronavirus which started to affect and started to sort of affect what was happening with games for those couple of weeks didn't they and then and then everything got uh, there was a weekend where some played some didn't um, and then of course everything was everything was stopped then um, I think the West Lanks League in particular looking for sort of guidance from the LFA over that sort of period but anyway so the season stops and you think all of us did. We thought, how long is this going to last? How long? When are we going to next next play again? Um, and then the bombshell came. I mean, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know where you saw it first. That um, the season was was over for everybody, null and void. As the, um, I mean, this this corona um, virus thing has brought a few expressions out that people now use regular that we didn't really use very often before, like furlough and stuff like that. But we've got. Um, null and void is another one that's, that's popped up in football and everyone's using. So the season was like, null and void for us all, which ultimately meant that the season was for nothing. Um, that the, you, there wouldn't be any promotion or relegation, which must have been a, an absolute dagger in the heart to, to you, your players, the committee at, at, um, at LSG. How did, how did you take that when you first found out? It was... Uh, I was a little bit numb at the time. I found out via uh, our club physio. Uh, he, he did it on on Sky Sports News and he, he rang me he rang me straight away and, and said you won't believe what, what they just announced so yeah I was a little bit uh, on, on the day of him telling me I was a little bit sick really to the stomach knowing what was the outcome of, of all our hard work really and it, it took probably two or three days for me to get my head round it I think I'm now at a position where I have got my head round it uh, can I carry on the next season? Probably now. Uh, on the day, no, that was it. Everything's finished. I can't carry on. But you have to regroup. The thought process of, of what they've done is is what I've always thought about the FA, that they don't care one iota about anybody that doesn't bring them any relevant finances. And we don't bring them any relevant finances. The, the ten pound fines of the last day, the hundred and twenty pounds went to competition, doesn't bring them any finances. They don't take into account that lads sacrifice what they sacrifice week in week out to, to, to keep the game going, and they soon forget about the players that are now representing our country, that represent the Premier League week in week out. Some of them lads started in non-league football, in grassroots football, up and down the country. And without that, we might not have some of our England internationals and some of our Premier League stars in today or yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point. I mean, every 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 footballer, uh, at whatever level they've played at, um, will have played football, grassroots football, playing for a junior team and got picked up. So um, I, I think the sort of grassroots bit is, is probably the most disrespectful bit of the lot because it was just there was no sort of thought it's just well it doesn't matter it's only kids just cancel that um 
but it's not just about the kids playing football. It's about the clubs. It's about the development of those players, um, coaches, parents who've, who who do all that running around. And it was just like, well, forget about it. That's not that's not important. There's more important stuff going on. I mean, listen, that's not dis- dismissing the important stuff and the, that's going on around the coronavirus, and, and it's an ever developing and getting more and more serious by the literally by the hour by the day. We're not saying that. We're not dismissing the the, the seriousness of 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 all that. But if you listen to, I sort of chatted on the podcast the other day with um, Mike McGrath, who's the manager over at Vauxhall, um, and they'd won promotion. So they were a couple of games in front of you, and they just their last game they played was the game that won them promotion. One of only two teams in the country, um, and 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 that is you know the, the effort that gone in at that club to get them to that position to win promotion to keep progressing was phenomenal and then it just gets pulled away and it's the same same with you lads you know you'll have already had one eye on next season you know you've brought players in come and come and have, come and play for me this season we're going to get up with an eye on what we can do next season you'll be playing in the prem next season if you come and join us and those sort of little promises that managers do um and then it's all sort of in an afternoon just just crossing it it feels to me and it, I know it felt to Mike and it possibly does to you that that was made a little bit too early um, the, the call didn't need to be made then. I mean, it's inevitable now it probably sort of end up there, but I think the null and void thing is is what's hurting hurting people, isn't it? As if like, well, it doesn't matter now, it's all gone, all that effort doesn't count for anything. Yeah, it's the, it's the effort that people have put in uh, all through, whether it's like your weekly training, somebody who runs around and drops all the kits, the bloke that comes down and sort of the, the pitch out every week and marks it out for you every week. Everything feels like you just wasted your time. The people that come and watch our games, at our level, that support our clubs on a Saturday. It's, it, it's not been taken as though it was the easiest option to take, just say, oh, we'll scrap that. And, and I've, I've long held the belief that we, we could have delayed and delayed. There's no rush to start something that hasn't started in next season. And if you're going to curtail anything, curtail next season and null and void next season by not starting it and just let this season end up playing whenever it, it plays. You go right the way back to the kids, and the kids don't play, if I'm right thinking now, at certain level, for points, for trophies, for medals. So the kids could have carried on playing just friendly games and kept them going until the new season was ready to be activated. But for everybody that... that the, I said to you earlier on, when we were chatting, that these things aren't just a 12-month affair. Pro, progress up... up for where you get to, for us, started three years ago, and we've improved and we've improved and we've improved to get to the point now where we're ready to go up. Go up. Can't always get everything in, will you? And I know you've spoken to the, the manager from Vauxhall Motors. Vauxhall Motors resigned their position in a higher league to go right back to the bottom to start again. Their process to where they are started five, six years ago, and yeah, all, right. all their hard work now is for, for nothing. So I'm pretty sure it, it can have a detrimental effect to the game mix because a lot of people may say, I'll just call it a day now. I'll start doing other things. Me son, me son plays football. That would be dull to play football now. I'll just take them now and I'll not play. And it could have a massive effect on the dwindling 11 aside game anyway. And, and for, 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 for the reason that they've never probably consulted listening to other people in the Northwest Counties and other leagues doesn't sound like they've been asked the question what they would like to do, but they never back that up by saying which way are we going. 
they've just asked the question. Yeah, yeah. I don't think no. I don't think stopping the season is the wrong thing to do. But just writing it off and saying that you can't do all the all the ways round getting to an end conclusion for certain people. I know in our division, for example, you could look at the Stoke Cook and the Wyatt Villa scenario, and the Wyatt Villa would, would rightly turn around and say, well, oh, we win our four games in hand, we catch Stoke Cook, we go past them. And with us, it was probably a little bit further ahead than other people. Milthorpe still had a big say in it. But for the likes of Vauxhall Motors and the, the, the team down south, uh, Jersey Bulls, who have actually completed it and nobody can surpass them, that just, I, I just don't understand, I don't understand where the, the logic of the FA's come from in that one. And what's your, what would your view be on the points per game thing? Obviously, the North West Counties are making um, a lot of noise and, and aren't taking it lying down. You know, the, the chairman there, Paul Aller, and, and and the clubs have all signed, sent letters um, into into the into the FA and stuff. You know, there's an argument to say the points per game would have at least satisfied clubs at least the season was finished you'll still get people that have been upset with that that, that wouldn't have you know that, that say well we've played all the top teams we've not played any of the bottom teams yet you're always going to get fine people that but would you think that would be a fairer outcome or do you want to see it sort of finished and concluded and played I think the first option would be to see it concluded and played and if that meant that we were still playing 1920 in October and November just to get it in then I would rather see that first and foremost Secondly, I would then probably try and go for the points per game basis. I, my, my argument would be that on, on match day, both our teams are playing for three points. There's, there's no differentiation in points. We're both playing for three points. My team's average over the season was 3.5. Everybody else had the chance to get 2.5 in, but they didn't have the same consistency as others. So the same with the teams that have won 27 out of 27 in Jersey Bulls. It's... They've done their job on the pitch week in, week out. So, and you will have probably said it, what would you rather have? Games in hand, the points on the board. And, and most managers would rather have the points on the board than, yeah, a, lot, no, than no. A, load of games, a load of games in hand. So, and the, the FA in the past have been preferred to use points per game when it's come to, should we take that team up into another division? Should we enter that team into the FA Cup? Point, points per, per game basis has been good enough to decide whether you're good enough to go into that competition or not. So, I mean, because it's uh, you'll have looked into this presumably as a as a club and you, you your committee will have looked into it. it once the, if the league, if the FA, sorry, have made that decision, it's unilateral. It's for every league, at every level in the country. A league can't then decide. Well, we would have promoted that. You know, so, for example, in your case, could the West Lanks League? except that it was a null and void season, but using, I suppose, goodwill, say, right, well, there's a team here that as good as one promotion. In any, in any other scenario, other than null and void, points per game, whatever, if we've got, got the season now, any other scenario they'd be promoted, we'll just promote them anyway. We'll invite them into the Premier League. Is that something that the West Lanks League could do if they wanted? I think it puts the West Lanks into a very awkward position because they still have to be under the guidance of, of the FA regulations and I think everything that they decide has to come via a ratification from the FA for them to keep the, the sanction of being a league I would have thought uh, I think there comes a point I've, I've looked into within the West Lanks scenario there is a space in the West Lanks for a team to come into the West Lanks 
sadly, that space actually now is in Division 1. So nobody could join the league and just come into Division 1. They'd have to come into Division 2. To create the space in Division 2, you'd have to move somebody up. And then I thought, looking at, well, hang on, why do it? Right. I have spoken to somebody along the lines of saying, can we bring the other team in? And as the scenario stands at the moment, can we top heavy make the Premier Division, move us to the Premier Division with making it a 17 team Premier Division, move the two teams that are running away and probably uncatchable in Division 2, which is Rosendale and Walney Island, into Division 1, which makes that up to 16 teams, and bring an elected new team into Division 2, making it 15 teams in Division 2. And at the end of next season, relegate three teams from the Premier Division and relegate three teams from Division 1. That would then take you back to 16 teams in all three divisions. That is one way around. That just, if the league is allowed to realign where they have clubs. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, <laughs> I spent a bit of time studying the West Lanks League rules and stuff for two or three seasons back when we had our issues with, with, with the league and not letting it, giving us promotion. But um, they, they can... Uh, promote and relegate teams at their at their will, effectively. And that doesn't that doesn't form part of the um, the FA jurisdiction uh, of what they do. I don't know what the issue is uh, around whether it has to be sixteen, but they, there is precedent again where they've had the league as a seventeen team um, Premier Division. I'd, I, I mean, you know, speaking as a chairman of a Premier League club in the West Lanks, I'd be supportive of seeing a team that, have a, that, that in all intents and purposes of, of one promotion coming in there but I'm not I'm not the decision maker in there what if is there is there any is there an avenue open to you as a club what can you do if you're not happy with it nothing you've just got to take it on the chin dust yourself down and get on with it is that where you're at I don't think we're big enough to take anybody on but this week what I did do was I contacted the chairman from South Shield who's put together this strongly worded letter that seems to be growing growing and I, uh, I messaged the chairman from South Shields and offered our support from St. Jerry's, explained our situation, which he said, I fully understand where you're coming from. And he added our name to to the letter. Uh, I've since been in contact with Rosendale and told Rosendale what I've done. And I think Rosendale have been in touch with South Shields as well. And they've added as well. And I think Rosendale were getting in touch with Walney Island to follow suit. And listen, Reading on Twitter today, I think the number of signatures on that letter now has risen to over 130, and it includes the Peterborough United chairman and the Lincoln City chairman as well from Division 1 and 2. So it's gaining some momentum with that. Whether they change anything on the back of it, I don't think the West Lancaster can squat on a limb and, and overrule anything that the FA says for their own credibility. And on the back of this, I, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody within the game can actually blame their individual leagues for anything that's gone on. This is purely simply an FA decision that the leagues have got to support. And looking at certainly some of them in other counties, they're keeping their records as a record, aren't they? Yes. From what I can yeah, gather, yeah. they're not expunging it at all. They won't be promoting, and there won't be any titles, and there won't be any relegations. But for the record books to stay the league tables will be recorded, league goal scores will be recorded. And I think I think the West Lanks should do that in, in recognition of what the lads and the, the, the clubs have, in, the, in their league have done for the last seven months of, of this year. Oh, I'd agree. I'd agree wholeheartedly. Um, wholeheartedly with that. Um, 
so, you know, that being said, you're going to have to take it on the chin by the sounds of things. Um, you've sort of resigned yourself, if that's the right expression, to that. What's you, what? What's your thought process for next season then? I, I mean, we don't know when the next season is going to start. We were chatting about that before we, we started recording that you know, everyone's worrying about the end of this season. We just don't know, do we, if this thing's going to carry on into um, sort of July, August, September. I mean, you were talking there, weren't they? It could be six months before we to return back to normal, which takes us into, into September. So we don't know when pre-season is going to start next season. You know, where, where do you stand with planning for next season with lads, with retaining lads that you've just, you know, and keeping them upbeat that they want to do another season in 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 the division one? Do you think you've already lost some? What, what, what's your thought process? I think we, I think we may lose one or two who who have been with us on on the proviso, like you said, we were going to go and get promotion. The vast majority of the lads, the attitude that they've come across to me is that we've won it this year. We'll have to go with it again next year to prove that this year wasn't right. But these things don't come around too quickly. I've never gone in the in the previous thirty two years I've never gone I've never gone a season undefeated. So they don't come round too often. If, if I'm gonna wait another thirty odd years for it, I'll be eight. By the next time this opportunity comes around. So yeah, we will have to prepare. Teams will be prepared as we'll have to go out as as a coaching set up and we'll have to be better if we want to get out of the division. I'm still keeping a few fingers crossed that something may help, that we can move. And But I, won't, I'm not, I'm, I can't hold my breath. I can't hold my breath on that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm fingers crossed that we can still maybe get a little bit of movement if we can. But if not, we'll have to dust ourselves down, start again and try not to be yeah. worked out again. We've been worked out probably this season now over twenty odd games, so we'll yeah. have to come. We'll have to come with a different plan for next season. But there's some good, some good teams in Division One. You know, what I mean, it, it'll be sad to stay in that division, but sad to leave it as well at the same time. So we've got some good teams in there, some good friends in Division One. If we have to do it all over again, we have to do it all over again. But not to. Yeah. yeah, well, listen, you know, me and Yates, my vice chairman at the time, we go to the, the West Langs League um, uh, meetings and sometimes you think, oh, I've been working all day, I've got to get across there. But I think this next one's probably going to be a bit of a lively one. Uh, there's going to be some good debate and some discussion, good discussion around it. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be interesting, the outcome of that. But, Stu, I, I feel for you, mate. I really, really do. That's why I wanted to get you on this podcast. Uh, you're one of the first people, one of the first clubs that I thought about when I heard the news because I knew you'd been sort of romping that that division. Was looking forward to welcoming him and 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 seeing our team's lock-ons next season. It sadly, looks like that isn't going to happen, as you say, unless something something changes somewhere. Um, but yeah, gutted, gutted for you, gutted for your players. Um, hopefully you can you retain as many of them as possible and keep and keep going. Um, as I say, I wanted to get people on this podcast who love football, who, 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 who's passion for the game. And I know I've been in your company, I've been on the touchline, I've been around you, um, and I know you're definitely one of them. And I know to you, real football matters. Um, hope next season, well, it starts. <laughs> I hope we get the next season underway at some point, and I hope um, I hope you get to sort of finish off the job. Um, that you've done but thanks so much for joining the podcast I hope you've enjoyed it it's been brilliant Peter thank you for inviting me on and anytime 
brilliant. Thank you very much. Oh, um, oh yeah, like, no we, we will get to lock horns at some point next season in some case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully the LFA Amateur Shield final will be played. Although, of course, if that does get played, that means um, that we sort of have to give up our, our, our Shield, which we were sort of, that was the only good news for us that we sort of kept hold of both our Cups for one last season. But anyway, enough about me. Um, Stu, thanks again for being on the podcast. It's been really, really good. And um, I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. So that was the podcast with Stuart Birch. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed chatting with Stuart. He's a great lad, to be fair to him. Uh, good club as well at Lost Ox St. Jarrods. Really hope that something uh, gets done. Not too hopeful it will. There seems to be a bit of momentum building on trying to get some stuff done, but um, who knows? Who knows the FA? Who knows the West Langs League? Uh, but, but one thing's for certain, I'm sure he'll be he'll be back and he'll be, be at it for next season, whatever, whatever the outcome of that is. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Tell everyone about it, spread it, share it on Twitter. Um, See you on the next one.